I have to be uh, honest with you, I'm really excited that uh, Jason and Brooke are here, that they've come to invest in our community and in our students, our 6th graders through 12th graders, and uh, I really am thankful to Nate Severson and the whole search team that uh, looked for uh, Jason and, and found him and brought him into our community, and I'm so hopeful for the families and students that are going to see their faith grow and expand because of Jason's influence here and the other leaders that are drawn into serving our middle school and high school kids in this community. And the moment we, had, we just had together, did you catch what we called that little moment? We called it the installation service. You guys installed me last summer. Now we've installed Jason. And, um, you know, no offense to those of us who have been installed, but I don't know. When I hear installed, I have like a negative kind of connotation to that word, being installed. I, I think of like when I turn on my computer and uh, it's time to shut it down or whatever, and it says there's updates to install. You know, do you want to do this now or later? You guys know that screen? It's always later, right? It's like, I don't want to do that now. Later, later, until you turn it on and it, it forces you to update them and you have to wait 15 minutes for everything to come through and for the computer to start up, um, at least if you have a PC. I don't know. Those of you that use Macs, maybe you don't have that problem, but uh, us PC people have that problem. Uh, but installation is an important thing that we do in the life of this church, and you guys realize what you all just promised. You all just promised Jason that you're going to receive God's word from him. In other words, when Jason says, hey, I think God might have us do this thing, or God, if he says, I think God might have us do that thing, you've just said that you're going to pay attention to that, that you're going to believe that God is speaking through him. And Jason's committed to leading well, to teach, and to comfort, and to know us as a spiritual family. We have installed him in this position, and he has said, I will instill in you the hope of Jesus. And you see this is a two-way street. We need each other. Just as we are going to support and bless him, he will support and bless us. We need one another in this thing that we do called church, in this life together as we walk together in faith and in this community. We need each other. And when it comes to wisdom, when it comes to pursuing wisdom, we need one another. We need to hear each other's voice to help us grow in wisdom, to, to think about the decisions that we make and the relationships that we engage in and the rhythms of our life. A wise person will listen to the, the advice of others and, and listen for the voice of God through his people, through his word, through, through what he's saying to us. I want to read a few verses from the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, and it talks about how we listen for what God is saying into our lives through his people, through his word. So I want to read from Proverbs 8 and Proverbs 12 and Proverbs 18, just different Proverbs that speak words of wisdom to us about listening. And I want, to, I want you to imagine again that this is wisdom speaking to you. So if w wisdom was a person, let's imagine after church you went out to coffee and you sat there with your latte and they were on the other side of the table and wisdom began to speak these words to you. And as she speaks, you're listening. And here's what she says. Proverbs 8, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my teaching and be wise. Don't turn away from it. Blessed is the one who listens to me. He watches every day at my doors. He waits beside my doorway. Those who find me, those who find wisdom, find life. They receive favor from the Lord. Later in chapter 12, she continues and says, The way of a foolish person seems right to him, but a wise person listens to advice. Foolish people are easily upset. But wise people pay no attention to hurtful words. An honest witness tells the truth, but a dishonest witness tells lies. Those are, seems kind of obvious to me, right? If they're honest, they're going to tell the truth. If they're dishonest, they're going to lie. But we need, sometimes we just need to hear it and see those words to be reminded of what is true. Thoughtless words cut like a sword, but the tongue of wise people brings healing. 
Truthful words last forever, but lies last only for a moment. It may not always feel that way, but lies last only for a moment. And then in Proverbs 18, two last verses here. A foolish person doesn't want to understand. He takes delight in saying only what he thinks. And then in verse 13, to answer before listening is foolish and shameful. To answer before listening is foolish. There are so many other Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Job, all of these wisdom books that speak about listening for, for what God is saying through other people and through his word, listening for the voice of God and the voice of trusted friends that can help us grow, uh, help us grow personally and spiritually and relationally and emotionally and all the other Ali's you can come up with. Uh, you know, we need others to help us grow. So to capture that this morning, I want to uh, share with you a chart and we're going to use our whiteboard this morning. Are you guys excited about the whiteboard? Yeah, okay, good. I need some excitement about the whiteboard. I get excited about the whiteboard. So we're going to, um, we're going to give you, a, I'm going to give you a chart this morning. Now, this is a chart that Nate Severson and I shared last fall. We did a Wednesday night class on leadership, and we talked about how we're all able to lead something. And to lead well, you have to be aware of your life. So I want to share with you a, a way of thinking about who you are, the reality of your life, um, and, and how people see you, how you see yourself, and how God sees you, and how we need all of those, those eyes to help us really see who we are truly. So it starts just by you, having you right here in the middle. So I'm going to draw you, or me. This is, uh, I mean, very photogenic. Looks just like you, right? So uh, this is, let's imagine that this is your life. Now there's things about you that you see. So I'm going to write you see over here. There's things that you can see in your reality that you experience uh, things you know about yourself. And uh, so there's things that you see, and then there's things that others see. So I'm going to write others up here. So there's things that they see in your life. Um, and, and we can break this vision that others have about you and what you have about you into four different quadrants. So I'm going to draw two lines like this and kind of divide your life into four different places. And these lines represent... Um, barriers to an awareness, a connection to the reality of your life. So if, if you can see your life, you come to a place where there is a barrier and you, you can't see other parts of your life. There's things about you that you are unaware of. There's things that are true about you that you don't see. And uh, we don't like to acknowledge this. We don't like to admit that there are things about ourselves that we don't know, but that's just the truth of it, that, that we are limited in what we can see in our lives. We don't always appreciate that others might be able to see things in us that we don't yet see, that they might speak some words to us that we need to hear. But th this is where the words of wisdom speak loudly from the book of Proverbs. One of the verses we read said, the way of the foolish person seems right to him. The way of the foolish person seems right to them. My way of thinking, my, my self-identity, my self-concept, how I see myself, well, of course I've got that right. I mean, who else is going to tell me who I am but myself, what I sense in my heart, what I feel about myself? It must be true if it's what I think. And Scripture says that that's the word of a fool, that foolish people think that way, that all I need to know about myself is what I think of myself, that all I need to inform my identity is what I think about my identity. A foolish person says that. The, the proverb goes on and says, but the wise person listens to advice. Someone with wisdom realizes that they are limited in their understanding of themselves and that they need to seek the advice of others. They need other voices helping them understand truly who they are in their entirety. 
Let's remember the definition of wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge applied to life experiences. And so knowledge is something that we can grow in. Knowledge is something that is shared with us and given to us. Knowledge is are things that we learn. We pursue knowledge. I, I don't know about you. I don't know everything. Anybody here know everything? Anyone? Okay, I'm glad no hands went up because there was going to be a whole other sermon if I saw a hand go up. <laughs> All right? We, we don't know everything but we don't like this idea that we're limited in what we see. You know, we, we see this part of our life, but there's parts of our lives we don't see. But sometimes it's hard for us to acknowledge that. At the same time, there's this other line where there are things in our lives that other people see, that they have access to, that they're connected to. And then there's things that they can't see in our lives. Things that this line divides and they're, they're not able to see those parts of our reality because they're limited as well. It makes me think of Proverbs 12. It says, an honest witness tells the truth but a dishonest witness tells lies. Thoughtless words cut like a sword. Have you ever had someone say thoughtless words to you? They cut like a sword. But the tongue of wise people brings healing. See, there's two kinds of people in our world. There are those that are honest and wise, and there are those that are dishonest and thoughtless. And, and you'd better figure out how to tell the difference between the two in your world. It's not always evident right away. You better make sure you're thinking about who are the people that are trustworthy, who are the people that speak good words to me, and who are those that, that are not helpful. God doesn't call us to be judgmental or cold or exclusive, but he certainly wants you to have good and faithful friends and mentors that are speaking into your life, and he wants you to limit your exposure to those who speak destructive words and lies. He wants you to protect your heart. I think about what Paul said at the end of uh, the book of Romans. He's writing a letter to his friends in Rome and chapter 16, it's a long kind of thank you list where he's given high fives to people who have invested in the church community and helped Paul in his work and he's saying thank you to all these people. But then he says, there's a few people I want you to keep at arm's length. This is in Romans 16 verse 17. He says, I urge you, my friends, watch out for those who can cause divisions and upset people's faith and go against the teaching which you have received. Keep away from them. Watch out. Keep away. That's that strong language that Paul is sharing with us there. Of course, Paul would also say in another place that if you avoided every person that doesn't believe what you believe, you'd have to leave earth. You know, he's like, you might as well head to Mars or the moon. He doesn't want us to become hermits and hang out in bomb shelters. We're not to avoid everyone who doesn't think like we think. But what Paul is saying here is that when when a friend proves themselves to be something other than a friend, when they are dishonest and thoughtless with us, it's wise to protect your heart, to think about who you're giving access to into your life. We talked about this last week. It's okay to be selective about those you connect your life with in an intimate and close way, those that you reveal yourself to. You should think carefully about who those people are. You want to be careful about that, thoughtful about that. Now, if we start to label some of these quadrants then that we've been talking about. We have this top left quadrant that you can see and that others can see. And this is your public life. That's what I'm going to label this, public life. It is what is out there, what people know about you, what they see about you. Some of you use social media and you put yourself out there. Some of you just share things with your friends. There's a, a public life that you have. And scripture has so much to say about living with wisdom in your public life and your example to others around you. I just want to remind you that people are watching it's a little creepy when you think about that, but people are watching you. Your kids are watching you. Your parents are watching you. Your friends, your coworkers, other people, that neighbor with the telescope, he's watching you, okay? 
a little creepy, but it's true. There are people observing your life and, and watching how you live, the example that you're setting. And a wise person will consider, what does my public like, life look like? What is the example that I'm setting for those that are around me? I want to be aware of that, what they are seeing, what they are experiencing. Right below that, then, is this other quadrant where uh, you can see this area of your life, but others cannot see. There's a line here that they're not connected to that part of your life. They're not aware of that part of your life. So this is your private life. And we all have a private life as well. We all have uh, things we think about, uh, things we dwell on, uh, things we reflect on uh, that we think about that we don't share with others. We all have a private life. It takes me back to Proverbs chapter 8. Blessed is the one who listens to me, wisdom says. He watches every day at my doors. He waits beside my doorway. Those who find me, find wisdom, find life. So in your private life, in your inner life, are you pursuing wisdom? Are you seeking out wisdom? Are you taking time to, to invest in the effort and the energy to find wisdom? Because when you find wisdom, Scripture says here, you find life. When you engage with wisdom, you engage with life, the purpose and passion and community and calling that you're really wanting in your, in your life. You can experience that in your inner reality if you will listen, if you will pay attention and be aware. There's two more quadrants here. Uh, this top right one is, this is stuff that, that you can't see, but others can see. So there's things in your world that you are not connected with, ways that you... Uh, fall on people around you that they're very aware of, but you may not be aware of. These are called your blind spots. And we all have blind spots. And again, we don't like to acknowledge that perhaps, but there are things in our lives that people see that we are not aware of. Blind spots. Proverbs 18 says, a foolish person doesn't want to understand. He takes delight in saying only what he thinks. Foolish person doesn't want to hear about these blind spots. He wants to Stay focused on only what he thinks. When you're not wise, you listen to only your advice. If you're lacking wisdom, it might be because you've decided that you don't have any blind spots, that you've got it all figured out. That might be why. A wise person delights when others bring words into their life. A wise person celebrates when a friend tells them something about themselves that they didn't know, when they're given access to information that maybe they were unaware of. If you want to increase this side of your life that you're aware of, the side of your life that you're connected to, then you got to move this line towards the right. And to move it towards the right, it means becoming aware of your blind spots, allowing people to speak words of truth into your life, helping them, allowing them to let you know the things about yourself that you're not aware of. We all have a responsibility for our lives. We all have to be pursuing our inner life, that private life. We need to be growing in what we understand about ourselves. But there is a greater truth above us. There is a greater way of life that, that surrounds us. There is a, a way of truth that's true for all people in all times, in all places, in the history of this world. And we need to engage with what is true. Kindness will always be right. Murder will always be wrong. Justice will always be right. Abuse will always be wrong. Sometimes we need someone to help us see where we're not being kind. We're just not aware of it but they, need, they can help us understand. We need others to help us see places where we're not pursuing what is just and good in this world. So I want to encourage you to cultivate those kinds of relationships, those kinds of friends that, trust, that you can trust and that know you well enough to speak words of truth to you, to call out in you things that you're not even aware of. Do you have those kinds of friends in your life? 
I think about my friend Rick, who I got to know while I lived in Colorado. He was one of the leaders in the area, and, and we got together and had coffee, and we began this great friendship and, and grew in the ways that we trusted each other. And when things went really poorly in my life, when, I, when my life got tragic, when things began to fall apart in my life, Rick was there to sit with me and encourage me. He became a spiritual director for me. And he would sit and we would listen for what God was saying and he would ask questions and help me listen for what God was saying to me in that very dark season of my life. Do you have someone like Rick in your world that can speak words of hope and encouragement when you go through difficult days, when you're needing wisdom because of the challenges of your reality? One of the things about Rick is that we were friends before things started to fall apart for me. We were connected, and and I trusted him even before I was in such a need for his voice in my life. And that can be hard for us because sometimes we wait until the tragedy comes, and then we start to reach out for help. And the challenge there is that when you're desperate, a lot of times all you can find is desperate people. When you're struggling, a lot of times all you can find is others who are struggling. And you need to develop these friendships, these kinds of relationships when things are going well. So if you're in like sunny days right now, I mean, we all have our daily kind of struggles, but if in general things are going okay for you right now, this is the perfect time to be thinking about acquaintances and others that you know that maybe you want to deepen your friendship. You want to create something deeper with them because you think they're trustworthy. You think that God speaks through them. And now is the time to develop that kind of depth and that kind of connection with them. Don't wait until things get difficult in your world because it might be too late to, to have that trusted friend there. Do you have some Rick kind of friends in your life? This is one of the reasons we do small groups here at Hillcrest, because we want to create places where we we can read scripture and pray together and share life together and and have trusted friends. So this fall, I mean, August and September, we're going to be kicking off our small groups again. And and if you have never been in a small group, I want to encourage you to consider this fall investing 10 weeks, 11 weeks to meet once a week and with others and, and to pray and to read scripture together and just encourage each other in your faith. And maybe you've been in a small group in the past and you say, well, Nate, it wasn't a great experience for me. I, I want to say, don't give up. It's worth the risk to seek that kind of community again. And Nate Severson and I, were working on, on creating safe and good and healthy small groups that can really help us grow in our faith, where we might have people that can help us learn about our blind spots, uh, help us grow in that. There's one last quadrant here, down in the bottom right. So this is stuff, things in your life that you can't see and others can't see. There's a disconnect for others and for you. Parts that are, tr- things about your life that are true that you are not aware of. Who, who can see what's going on in this quadrant? Any ideas? Yeah. A few small muttering voices. Yes, God. God sees this part of our life. God sees. There are things that are true about us that only God is able to access. Only He is able to reveal to us. And we need to seek His voice to invite him to speak to us. I want to finish up with you this morning by looking at a story in Scripture that illuminates this idea of listening to God, of allowing God to speak into our lives only what he knows. So if you've got a Bible with you, I just want to invite you to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2. And we're going to look at the story of Samuel, kind of his origin story. He was born to a woman named Hannah who wasn't able to have kids, and she cried out to God, and in a miraculous way, she was able to have her son Samuel. And she named him Samuel because it means heard by God, that God listened, that God heard me. And she says, Samuel, you're going you're gonna to be dedicated to God, to serve him because of the blessing you've been in my life. I'm gonna, uh, you're going to be part of what God's doing in the temple and the holy place in Israel, the, the tabernacle there. And, and Eli was the high priest when Samuel was alive, and so Samuel became kind of a 
a student of Eli, the high priest, and began to learn how to serve the people in their worship of God. So in 1 Samuel chapter 3, young Samuel is learning for the first time how to listen to the voice of God. So let me read this passage. You follow along. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2 through 10. One night, the high priest Eli was lying down in his usual place. His eyes were becoming so weak he couldn't see very well. And Samuel was lying down in the Lord's house. That's where the ark of God was kept and the lamp of God was still burning. When, when the writer writes those, he's saying that God was present there. The ark was there, the light was burning. That means God was present. The presence of God filled that place, that tabernacle. Now, of course, today we are the tabernacle of God. We are the temple of God. The Spirit of God resides in us as we follow Jesus. When we've been forgiven by Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. So Samuel is in this holy place, and the Lord called out to Samuel. Samuel answered him, here I am. And he ran over to Eli, and he said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So Samuel went back and lay down. Again, the Lord called out, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I didn't call you. Go back, lie down. Samuel didn't know the Lord yet. That's because the Lord still hadn't given him a message. Samuel was learning how to listen to the voice of God. The Lord called out to Samuel for a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called out to me. I can only imagine Eli, like a parent with a little kid coming to the bed over and over again. I need water, I need water, right? And Eli's like, just go, get away, it's not me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. If someone calls out to you again, say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there. And God called out to Samuel, just as he had done the other times. And he said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, I'm listening. This is a great story because it reminds us that we can grow in our ability to hear from God. We can grow in our ability to receive God's word. That we might miss it, but we don't have to continue to miss it. That we can learn some new ways to listen to what God wants to say to us. Many of us have heard, some of us have heard the audible voice of God. I would say many of us haven't heard the audible voice of God, but all of us can receive God's words, receive his voice, hear from him. There are things that only God sees in our life, and we have to ask him to reveal it to us. Speak, Lord, I am listening. Speak, God, I am your servant. I am here. I'm ready. I want to hear from you. Speak to me. I'm listening. The Bible says if you lack wisdom, ask God for it, and he will give it to you. If you want to hear from God, ask him to speak. We don't demand him to speak. We ask him to speak, and he will speak to us. And God is speaking all the time over us, around us. God is speaking through his word, the Bible, the, the word of God written by 40 different authors over 1,500 years, and yet they all spoke the same narrative, the same story about a God who loves you, a God of, who is present and powerful, full of love and grace and truth. A God who is bringing you into relationship with him through his son Jesus in the Old Testament, the promised Messiah, and the New Testament, the Savior of the world. Scripture is speaking to you. Are you listening to what God is saying through his word into your life every day? God speaks through his creation. The world around us points to his power, his order, his intention, everything that he made on purpose. Do you see it in the world around you? God is speaking through his people. Those truth-tellers that, that see your blind spots and he might say things to you through them as they help you grow in your understanding of yourself and how you land on other people. God is speaking. Are we listening? 
There's times when God speaks and we, and we don't want to listen. We, we want to push it away. Sometimes he asks us to do things that are very difficult, things that are hard, and we don't want to, we don't want to hear it. I think about Gideon in the Old Testament who was called out to lead the people to freedom. And when God showed up to call Gideon and give him instructions, Gideon wasn't ready to hear it. It starts right at the beginning. God says to him, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm the least in my tiny little tribe in Israel. I don't matter. Right away, he pushes away. He doesn't want to listen. And so God gives him clear instructions about what he's supposed to do. And Gideon begins to put him to the test. He says, I need a sign. Give me a sign. Dangerous thing to ask God for. He says, I need to see, I need to know it's you. Give me a sign. So he, uh, Gideon makes a little goat sandwich for God, and the Lord comes down and burns it up with fire. To, uh, you know, the whole sandwich is burned up. And you think, well, that must be enough. Now he's ready to listen. But Gideon goes, no, no, I need some more proof. I'm going to lay out some goat skin tonight. And in the morning, I want it to be soaking wet, and I want the ground around it to be dry. I want something miraculous, supernatural. And he wakes up the next morning and wrings out the fleece, and it's just soaking wet with water. Well, surely now he believes and is ready to listen. But no, he goes, one more. How about one more test, God? Because this time I want the goat skin to be dry. Yeah, I mean, how many goats had to die for him to see, you know, believe that God was speaking to him? This time I want the goat skin dry and the ground wet. And God does it. He's so merciful to Gideon. He does it. And it just becomes clear that Gideon hears God, but he doesn't want to listen to God. He hears God, but he doesn't want to do what God is calling him to do. And we know that the opposite of listening is not talking. The opposite of listening is ignoring and there's so many times when we just ignore what God is saying to us. We say, speak, Lord, I'm, I'm listening. And then he says something that we're like, ah, not yet. I'm not ready to hear that. I'm just going to pretend like I didn't hear it. God has called us his sons and his daughters. He has said that we are forgiven and loved dearly by him. And we have such a hard time believing that. He, said, he says to us, I want to use you to, to change the world, to bring people to faith, to help them find forgiveness and new life. I want to transform you. And do something incredible in you and through you. And we sit back and say, I need a sign. you got to prove it. I'm not going to believe it. How many times do we ignore what God has called us to be about? So when you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Listening means that you actually take action on what God calls you to do. We're going to finish up this morning by taking some time to listen to God. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. And they're going to lead us in uh, a couple songs here as we finish up and Part of that time, we're going to just sit and listen for what God is saying to us this morning, believing that he wants to speak to us. So let me pray for us as we prepare for that time. Will you talk to God with me? Father God, we're so thankful that you speak. We're so thankful that you, through your word, through your people, through your creation, through your voice, you are constantly speaking to us, calling us by name, encouraging us to be part of what you're doing in our neighborhood, in our world today. Father God, we invite you to speak to us right now. We want to hear from you. We want to believe that you can do great things and that you can use us. Thank you for the truth of your words. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.